This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. To receive a free copy of Bob Buford's classic book, Halftime, moving from success to significance, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Adam Bradley. Adam, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Man, I'm looking forward to it, too, because, you know, Adam, uh, you're an entrepreneur, an intrapreneur, speaker, a coach. And now, where were you born and raised, Adam? I am a Maryland guy, born and raised. Absolutely love living out here on the East Coast. Love the state of Maryland. And John, can I say, I think we have the best flag in the country. I don't think it beats the flag of Minnesota. We got a farmer on our flag, buddy, and like a mule or something. I'm going to probably get hate mail from people from Minnesota, but I don't think it's a mule. But anyway. Yeah, but now I'm born and raised in Maryland. Awesome. Now, now you've been an Now, what's an entrepreneur? Yeah, an entrepreneur, I always get that question. I love it. It, I, I, I spend time still in the corporate space in addition to having my own business. And an entrepreneur is simply someone who thinks and acts and operates like an entrepreneur, but within the realm of a already established business. So I have leadership roles within my corporation, but I don't own the company uh, that I also work with. I love that. Now, here's a great lesson for people as you're out working, networking, developing relationships. Don't, you know, don't have an elevator pitch. Have something that's interesting that creates just like that. Somebody to follow up and say, what does that mean? What's an entrepreneur? So just a little side note there, but I love that you do that. Um, I know, you know, back, you started really diving into the entrepreneurial waters back in 2010. You developed uh, an online sports radio network. And then in three years, you grew from one show to nine shows. In 2013, uh, you became part of uh, uh, a big network with uh, uh, Ted Leonisis, uh the, who owns the Wizards and the Capitals and the Monumental Sports Network. Um, and then you stepped away from that to really focus on, you know, uh, you got a nationally recognized podcast, The Hardwood Hustle, and you got a sports leadership company, Lead em Up. And that website is Lead, M-E-M-U-P. So if you guys want to go check that out, um, definitely encourage you to do that. And so there's just a ton you're doing. As we were just talking before we got started, man, you just got this passion to really equip some leadership roles in in this next generation and work with our youth. And and as we were talking about, Adam, there's just some incredible kind of parallels to, first of all, uh, as parents, anybody out there listening with parents, uh, with kids, the role that we need to take in their lives, but also a real corollary to... How do we also, that same leadership development, the opportunity we have with our kids to also bring that into the teams and the people that we work with, you know, right? Being that entrepreneur, um, you know, when uh, Monday through Friday, when we're not at home, right, Adam? Absolutely. You know, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so, you know, now that I have a a little one, uh, I have a little girl who just turned two, um, you know, one thing that we tell coaches within the lead them up environment about developing skill sets of leadership within our players is that we remind them that leadership is a skill. 
And like any skill, in order for it to grow, it needs to be developed. And in order for it to be developed, it needs to be intentional. You need to be intentional with your actions so you can develop a skill set. And, you know, as our message is primarily to coaches through Lead Them Up saying, hey, you want your players to grow as leaders. You want them to be at that next level. Well, it's not going to happen by accident. It won't happen simply from going as a junior moving into the senior class. Okay, that doesn't necessarily do it automatically. We've got to be intentional. And, you know, even as parents, and, and now that I'm a parent, I've got to take that same intentionality that a coach does to develop their players and do the same thing with my children and, and understand that those things that we want to see our kids do, those usually resonate and turn, go back to skill sets that they have, you know, and, and we've got to be intentional. And one thing I love that my co-host on uh, my podcast says, John, says it quite frequently in the sports environment, you've got to fight for your culture every day. And what you want to see, you've got to fight for it every day. If you want your, your players doing a certain thing, you've got to fight for it. When they're not doing it, fight for it. You know, be present every day and fight for it. We've got to do the same thing as parents. You know, um, we, we've got to fight for what we want to see our kids doing. You know, I, I think about it right now. If my little girl, you know, we say please and thank you, and she's two, and she doesn't always say it, John, but I want to fight for it because I want her to have those manners. So I say, no, 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 say please. No, 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 no. say please. Georgia, before I give this to you, say, please, you've got to fight for it. And, um, you know, we just have such an opportunity as parents to fight for those things we want to see in our kids and be really intentional with developing those skills. Well, you know, Adam, there is just a ton of energy and passion clearly around this subject. And um, uh, I know sports is a big part of, you know, your world and what you do and what, you know, what led you to launching lead them up, right? What, what is the, you know, if you and I were just circling back also, um, you know, a couple of years from now, and you're just talking about, man, that was amazing. What is also lead them up accomplishing in, in this generation? Yeah, well, to answer your first question, you know, what kind of led me, uh, it was really a combination of two things coming together. Um, the first thing is God just continuing to work on my heart. You know, I, um, you know, I grew up and I, you know, I wasn't the person I am today. I certainly wasn't that person in my late teens and early twenties. I was, I was living a pretty reckless life. And, um, you know, thankfully I developed a relationship with the Lord at the age of 21 and, and I didn't overnight become this like really passionate person interested in impacting people. But slowly over time, as my relationship with the Lord developed and grew, you know, I began just feeling this kind of desire to impact people. And I began recognizing that God had given me a skill set to do it, but it didn't happen overnight. But it was a, as one of my favorite bloggers, James Clear writes, the aggregation of marginal gains, little bit at a time, right? Little bit every day. And then before you know it, 10, 12 years after developing a relationship with the Lord, it had really grown and kind of blossomed into this kind of overwhelming desire to want to impact people. So that's one thing. The second thing that kind of where we intersected was, as you mentioned earlier, I had some, an opportunity to kind of start some local businesses here in the Baltimore, Washington area. One in particular was that online sports network. And uh, once we signed that deal with Ted Leonsis of the Wizards and Caps and got some recognition here locally, it really opened the door for me to be able to have a platform that was bigger than what it was prior. And I started getting asked by different high schools and colleges in the area to come out and just kind of share my story about success and habits and uh, what does it take to get to the next level, all those um, conversations. And so it was kind of like an intersection of 
God working on my heart and growing my heart and developing this fire within me at the same time, you know, personally being able to kind of grow and develop a platform that gave me an opportunity to go that way. And uh, so I started working with some local high schools, got asked to, one in particular was my old high school, John, uh, got asked to come and had no plan at first. This was about five years ago. He just said, the head coach there at the time, Adam, is there any way you could come and work with the kids every week? And I said, well, what would you want me to do? He's like, I don't know. Just, just, I'll give you 30 minutes. Just pour into them. They, they gravitate to you. You're, you're a positive influence. I kind of prayed about it went back to him. I said, let's do it. So every Tuesday we ended practice at 530 and the coaches handed over 60 kids to me, both the varsity and JV football team. And I had 30 minutes to pour into them. What an open general term, isn't that, John? Just pour into them. That is a that is a very open general term. So how did you approach that? I, I I know there's you know you're thinking right entrepreneurs you got all these things about leadership and actions and being intentional. Uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit about that process and what you shared. Yeah, so so I didn't quite know what I was going to do, but I did know this: if I wanted to impact the players that I wanted to do, all right, and that I was being asked to do impact these players, I, one I needed to get to know them. So I ended up spending a lot of time around the team that year. I needed to know their names. I needed to know their stories. I needed to know what was going on, the dynamics, because if I just simply settled on 30 minutes a week, I wouldn't even have known their names by the end of the season. It just wasn't enough time with the amount of kids. So I just kind of devoted so much time that year to them. And once I became part of the process and part of the dynamics of the team, I began to recognize things that they were struggling on, you know, whether it was body language, whether it was their foul language, their lack of focus, their inability to overcome adversity, uh, their poor listening, or whatever it happened to be, um, I began to recognize kind of areas of, of need for improvement. So each week, there just happened to be, a, there would always be a theme that would really kind of weigh on my heart, say, you've got to address this with the guys. And then I'd sit there all week and just brainstorm and, and just try to be creative and say, okay, we're talking about high schoolers. If you don't have something engaging, I mean, they're going to tune you out in five minutes, okay? You've got to lock their attention span. So I would just try to think, what could I do to engage them, to move them and impact them? And as I just went through the season, I journaled everything I did, every single exercise, every conversation, every little cool little experimental tool or activity I did, I journaled it all. And after about a year and a half, two years, uh, in conjunction with my podcast, Hardwood Hustle, which is a big coaching podcast, I'd reference uh, what I was doing with the teams that I was working with. And before you know it, you know, I started getting emails just from coaches saying, hey, can I get some more information about what you're doing? You know, what, what is it exactly? Can you share some of the stuff? And then before you know it, it's like, wow, I can only be in one place at one time. You know, how could I ever kind of scale this out so other people could have access to it? And, you know, what if I formalized it and actually made it available in a very easy to um, implement program? Uh, that was fun and engaging. And I began to recognize some pain points and programs. And there was, there was actually a need for it, right? Coaches want to develop leaders. They just don't know where to begin half the time. And they, they aren't equipped or have the tools oftentimes. And I thought this could be a, a platform that could serve them. Well, you know, something I'm hearing, which I think is just such a, a, a valuable point for people to take away, man. You, first of all, you spent that time, you got to know them, you developed relationships, you knew their names, but you were listening. 
you know, kind of this deep listening, listening between the lines on what they were really struggling with, what were their problems, really what you're trying to do, right, as you journal this is what solution do I need to provide that is relevant to these folks? And I'm guessing that is why it was so engaging because each week as you showed up, you were speaking their language and talking about something that every one of them or a majority of them they were either thinking about or they even, you know, they were talking to their friends about and, and you connected and shared with them something that was valuable to them in that moment. You're absolutely right. And one thing I've just continued to be so impressed about with young people is they actually long for this stuff. Mm. Okay. So like to be able to have a 30, 45 minute session talking about uh, body language, there's many individuals within that group that are like, finally saying like, hallelujah, thank you. Like I, we needed to talk about this because as players, they want healthy team environments. Okay. They want a close knit group. That is a healthy group that is moving forward closer to goals that, it, that there's positivity around. They want that because nobody wants to be a part of a group that is negative, that, you know, everyone's bringing each other down. They're not progressing towards their goals. Those aren't attractive places to be. So players want healthy places to be so doing this helps kind of push in that direction and there's a lot of players that as you know john it's tough sometimes to have those difficult conversations and to address teammates that requires a high level of maturity and leadership to have those difficult conversations a lot of players they they see the need and man they really do wish they had the courage to go up and address their teammate about this issue or about their you know inability to perform here or do this this actually gave us a, a open platform to address those issues that the players really want to address. They, and they're so thankful that when someone comes alongside and says, we're going to address this today, they're happy. They're, it's a welcome invitation. And um, it's kind of interesting, you know, as it relates to like players wanting this, the, the group, as I mentioned, right before we started, you know, I just came from doing a session with a baseball team right outside of DC uh, varsity baseball team. Uh, they did a preview of this program last year. They saw a preview of it. They, they saw one week. The senior captains this year, John, actually went to the coach yep. and talked the coach into purchasing the program. They said, we want this. We need this. And, I, and the coach is someone I'd known for a while, and uh, he's like a lot of coaches. He just wants to coach the game, okay? If he happens to impact someone, it's like, hey, cool, I didn't expect that. I uh, wasn't intending that. They just want to coach the sport. There's a lot of coaches out there, okay? And so he never kind of fully opened up to this whole leadership, intentional training and stuff. And and I asked him, I said, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm so excited you're signing up. Can I ask you what changed? He said, well, my players actually asked me to do it. They actually asked me to, to bring it in, and they really wanted it, and they thought it was important. They thought it was needed for us to reach our goals. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I was like, wow, that, that is so powerful. And it, I've actually applauded those individuals that address the coach because that shows a strong sense of maturity in their leadership that they would do that. Well, you know, I love this point about, um, you know, body language because it's, it's, it's a big part of the leadership that we train in corporations and we've been hired by the, the U.S. military to come in. And what people don't realize, right, and let's talk about the effectiveness of just players both on the field and off the field. But uh, when somebody communicates to us, only 7% of what we, what we 
learn what actually comes in is actually the words that somebody uses. 55% is that body language. 38 is the tone of voice. So if I'm trying to communicate and those are not in alignment, not only do I not have credibility, but I'm actually, I could even be hurting a relationship. And what you're talking about is a team, you know, people being able to show up as their best self to be able to work together. And that's not just sports, right? We can take this analogy that that now extends into every part of their life, you know, relationships and their future and equipping these guys as they grow. And I can just see how as you're sewing this into, you know, these high schoolers, how meaningful that's got to be for them. Yeah, you know, I hope so. And I believe so. And um, I'm encouraged by it simply from the fact that I hear the feedback from the players, you know, and and one thing for me that that I remind myself a lot working with younger people, and I think even grown or adults probably deal with this also. Is sometimes I can find myself being a little discouraged as I go through the process because not all young people have a great ability of articulating their appreciation for what you're doing. Okay, so sometimes you you may be communicating to this group and you may not feel like you're reaching them at the level that you hope, right? And uh, but then you're encouraged by these moments where they do come about, right. And they do share like their appreciation and their growth. And, um, you know, to answer your question, do I think the players are, you know, appreciating it and enjoying it? Absolutely. And although they may not share it all the time, you know, there's moments, whether it's at the end of the season where they come back and thank you for all that you've done or how much growth they experienced, you know, those are the moments that uh, encourage you. And I always tell individuals, whenever, anybody is doing any type of kind of mentoring to me or pouring into me, I am very intentional with my feedback to them. My feedback, I always want to make sure it's genuine. I'm not just going to give you positive feedback just for the sake of it, but I want it to be genuine, but I always give it through the process when someone's pouring into me, because I believe like if I give them that encouragement that what they're doing is helping me, I think I may get a better version of them in return, right? They may give more to me, and pour more into me if I'm encouraging them through the process. So, um, so although not everyone can articulate it well through the process, I do believe you know these young people are appreciating it and growing and uh, reaping the benefits of this training. Well, yeah, and what you're talking about is really affirming people, right? By giving them that feedback that's really centered on them and pulling some of those things out to really, um, you know, connect with them. And I, you know, unfortunately, in our society, in our community, right, there's not a lot of really you know, good affirmations, positive affirmations that people hear. There is some flattery, right? What you talked about, right? But that, but that kind of makes it all about you. Um, and if you can create an affirming team and affirming culture, man, that is, that is a powerful place to just build relationships and trust from. And you know, and I'll, you know, as I'm just reflecting on this, right? There's this is so I think core to who you and I are, Adam. But what do you think the reason is that maybe more coaches out there, more parents aren't intentionally trying to develop some of these skills um, in their kids? I think the one thing is I don't think they know where to start or how to do it. Mm. Okay, so so I know a lot of coaches, you know, they understand and recognize the need for leadership training. They certainly understand the need for leaders in their team to reach their goals. They don't you don't have to argue with that. Okay. But if you ask them, like, okay, I, I look at your program, and you've got a strength and conditioning program in place, great job. You've got a nutritional program in place, great job. You've got tutors in place or some type of study hall working on their grades, great job. Just out of curiosity, you've 
communicated to me that leadership is extremely important. If we don't have the leaders, we can't achieve our goals. Just out of curiosity, why, why is there not a leadership program in place? How come you're not intentionally? And oftentimes they say, well, I just don't quite know where to begin. Okay. So that's one issue. Where to begin? Where, where, who's the resource I can go to? Where can I search? Who can help me move in this right direction? The second thing is they aren't sure if they have the right kind of program in place. So like, I know I've heard this before, right? They've tried different things. And if you're not engaging the individual on the, the other side, you're not engaging the player in a business environment. If you're not engaging the staff, it can almost be painful and uncomfortable. You went out and you did try to do leadership training. You tried to be intentional, but you almost kind of bombed it, right? Because you went out and found someone that just didn't engage the, the staff or the team. And it was pretty painful. No one really got anything out of it. it you mean they brought in the, the folks that have the canned content and came and did their three-step process and fill out a worksheet and nobody ever follows up with them or see if it connected? You, yeah, you know a few of those? I know a few <laughs> of those too, John. I've had to sit through a few of those, yep. Yeah, so, you know, I think they, they get fearful of that, right? And, and then here's the other thing I think, and, and I, I firmly believe this is, um, we live in a society that's not very patient, John. So if there's ever a thing we need to be patient with, it's leadership development. And most coaches are not willing to sit in this long-term developmental process. Okay. They're not willing to go through it. They want results here and they want it now. And leadership development is cumulative. It does not happen overnight. It is a process. It will be developed over time, little by little, as you go through the process. And a lot of coaches aren't willing to do it. See, they can implement an, uh, a full court press in basketball. They can implement it at the beginning of practice. By the end of practice, you can see some form or at least some resemblance of a full court press by the end of practice. It doesn't work that way with leadership training. Okay. It may take you a long period of time to get that player to where you want him to be or her to be, but it, all your, your work will prove to be beneficial and it'll happen. I always kind of explain it like uh, as a parent of a two-year-old, my wife and I, John, every day I feel like tell our daughter the ABCs. We go through the ABCs with her, whether it's magnets on the fridge or it's ABC mouse on an iPad or something on the TV. We are constantly going through the ABCs. But as of today, she is two, two years old in one week. Um, she's yet to ever say the ABCs, John. She has never said it. But one, I'm not going to quit saying it because she's never said it. I'm going to keep teaching it. And secondly, I know when she finally does, she will have done it because of all the things that we've poured into her. Because of our time and effort, she will, the day she says it, she will have said it because of all of our work. And I know someone could say, well, she's naturally going to eventually say the ABCs. Well, I believe she'll probably say them significantly sooner because of all of our work that we've done to pour into her. Okay. And whether that's a year, whether that's six months, I don't know. All right. But I know it's making an impact and I've just got to trust the process. Well, that's an interesting point, right? Uh, you know, sharing with your daughter, right? Um, the ABCs and you talked about, right. It's, it's cumulative. It's a process. What does that process look like that you found working with, you know, this group of folks that, that works? I love if you have some time just to kind of walk through, what that program looks like a coach or a parent can use with their, with their kids. Yeah. So, um, 
so we do a variety of things within our, our kind of program, our lean them up program. And yes, we're kind of working with high schoolers, but to your point, John, this is applicable for all of us. Okay. Um, we do, well, one, we've got a, a great partnership with a group in Florida called Game On Nation. There's an individual named Steve Shenbaum. You may be familiar with him. Um, tremendous guy, tremendous leader. They've created a really cool curriculum called Game On Nation that we license a portion of our curriculum. So uh, those games allow our, our players to be really engaged. They use these games and exercises to teach communication and leadership and uh so I want to give a shout out to them because a large part of our curriculum is um, a credit to their creative minds and what they've done to, you know, one, we, we, we start off each week with a really neat icebreaker of a whole variety of different things. For example, one of them um, is a me, we, you exercise where we have two players stand up in front of the group and uh, they have to share something they're proud of that they have done. That's the me. They have to share something they're proud of the team has done. That's the we. They then have to share something that they're proud of that a teammate has done. And that's the you. And we'll have two individuals come up and they'll do that. And, and that really just kind of sets the tone for a, a message. We really want to communicate all throughout all lead them up programs every week is that in order for us to really grow as a leader, we need to feel safe around our teammates. And too often young people specifically don't feel safe. Mm. And, and what I mean by safe, not from a security perspective, like there's a threat, but safe in a, am I, am I, putting myself at risk for exposure safe. We live in a world where you can become a meme overnight, right? You, we live in a world where someone puts something out on Twitter that isn't too uh, uh, pleasing to you. It can go viral before you know it. That's what everyone knows you as. Young people recognize that threat and they're not willing to open up and be vulnerable the way you need to as a leader until they can identify that this is a safe place. So that little icebreaker in the beginning helps kind of lower their guard and build up their comfort zone as we establish a safe place in this group that will allow us to get where you need to go. After that, uh, we, we provide coaches really cool illustrative stories that they can use to connect the theme, uh, connect the story to the theme. I know a lot of speakers and coaches always want a nice impactful story that can resonate. Uh, we then have provide them games through game on nation. And these games are really interactive and competitive based and the kids love it. And then we also provide a whole kind of portal in each weekly session, uh, what we call situational training. This was inspired in many ways uh, through a lot of my work and uh, studying of military leadership. And if you ask anyone, a high-ranking military official, as you know, you know, because you're you obviously you're doing a tremendous amount in there. I, I've learned, and you hopefully uh, attest to this, a lot of leadership training that takes place in the military is done around situational training where you're able to put your troops in real yet controlled environments, have them act and behave and work through certain situations and then evaluate, evaluate, evaluate. And as you're evaluating, you're teaching, you're teaching, you're teaching with the hopes that you're improving, improving, improving. Well, in a similar thought process, our players and just all of us in life in general, but players specifically, they are constantly in situations. They are in situations all throughout the day in school. They are in situations all throughout the, the, their time in the locker room and on the field and in the dugout and on the bench. And what we've done is identified just tremendous amount of situations that players and athletes are often find themselves and actually have them kind of work through it and behave through it through a real yet controlled environment. 
and take those everyday situations that we oftentimes just overlook and turn them into teachable moments. Um, mm. What are some examples of those, Adam? To kind of go through. Uh, I give a great one. Okay, one of my favorite ones is um, one of our themes is grace. Okay, mm. um, which is interesting, right? Uh, no one really knows in the high school youth space. Um, you know, we're not we're we're, we're not a faith based program, but obviously the pillars of my faith and our faith are penetrate all throughout the program. But it's not you know positioned or, or marketed as a faith based program, but. Grace is an example of that because no one, unless you've got a relationship with the Lord, really uses the word grace. And, uh, and that's evident when I ask players that they could define what grace means uh, to start the session, and almost none of them can ever do that. <laughs> that's um, what you say before you eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's usually what I get, right? Or yeah. they'll reference National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation and how that funny scene, uh, Grace, she died 50 years ago. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, John, but nonetheless. Yes, it's um, been a while. So, uh, Grace, here's an example of a situational training. Um, I'll call up three players. I'll sit two players down with one player in front of them. So they're almost in a triangle shape, okay, two facing the one. The one, hypothetically speaking, has just found out that he's ineligible for the rest of the year. And uh, he's certainly one of the top players on the team. We needed him. We were counting on him. But he's out. He's out. Report cards just came out. So he has shared that news with his two other teammates and his two other fellow captains, okay? Uh, at that point, the two captains hear the news. I have one captain, as we identify, and we call this the grace-truth scale, okay? I have the one captain. I say, I'm going to give you permission over the next 60 seconds to lay in to this individual, I want you to share every feeling you have on your mind. I want you to spit the truth. Don't worry about his feelings whatsoever. Just let him have it. And it's pretty entertaining what happens, right? That player gets into it. You know, he begins to say, how could you not get a 2.0? Like, I get a 2.0 in my sleep. You let us down. My little brother could get better grades than you. You've got to be kidding me. You know, just let him have it. Right. After 60, after 60 seconds, I have the other guy do He's on the grace side, okay? I say, at this point, I want you to just simply make him feel okay. Please don't make him feel uncomfortable. Um, almost give him a pass. Just be loving to him and go all the way to that extreme. And the players will act it out very well. They'll, they'll say, look, oh, man, you know, I, I never knew how you got a 2.0 in the first place. You do so much in your life, and you take care of your brothers at home, and you're the leader on this team and you work so hard and, you know, school's tough these days. And, you know, it kind of goes all in and gives them a pass. I then ask another, a fourth player to come up and I challenge them at that point to have that same difficult conversation. But at this point to try their best to perfectly blend the two conversations, can you perfectly balance the scale between truth and grace? and have that conversation. And then I'll let a player go through that process and attempt it. Sometimes, depending on how he did, I'll bring another player up and let him attempt it. And then as a group, we will critique and we will kind of pick apart how you could have an effective conversation managing grace and truth. And I think that one specifically, that one is so deep and it's so important regardless of your age. I mean, even, you know, I'm 34, I'm married going on 10 years. I've got to manage that grace truth balance with 
being in a, a marriage every day, right? You know, there's things you, you don't want to gloss over and, and don't address, but you've got to do it with love and you've got to understand where the other person is coming from and have compassion. And so that's an example of a situational training that we do in one of our themes and in, in, in that particular week of grace. Well, I think that's so powerful because, you know, one thing that's a skill that people, uh, I think at all ages, Adam, just are not very good at is really how to approach people, right? So if you can go in humility, right, especially if I already know the situation and or it's a conflict and, you know, or it's something that you've done and I need, it's really bothering me. And just, you know, be open to being wrong, you know, approach you thinking, okay, I could be wrong here. You know, thinking about almost, this is kind of, I think, how you balance the the truth and the grace, right? Go in that pre-forgiveness. So I already, in my mind, what what is that, that, maybe that thing that's really bothering me and just in your mind say, okay, I've already forgiven what happened. Let's go in love. And in the corporate environment, we share this also. They don't always like the word love, especially in the military. So we say, how about caring then? You care more about, you know, the other person and their relationship then maybe how you feel about me. And then going in that truth, though, I think that truth, I'm glad you brought that up. Because I think something that we do that's a disservice, most people only share maybe 80% of that truth. Because that last 20%, that's maybe which can lead to a difficult conversation. But if you can share the full truth, but do it in love and do it in humility, uh, what I have seen, regardless of the conflict, whether it's in a sports team or a corporate environment or at a startup, you can resolve 95% of these issues with a conversation if you can approach somebody else from from the perspective of what you're talking about, that blend of these two. You're totally right. And, and I'd add one other thing that's really helpful in that. It's what we always make a point to have our relationship session in in weeks advance of the grace session because I do believe also that it, it allows you to have a more effective conversation and balance those two of truth and grace and have a better outcome after the conversation when there's a relationship of a foundation there, okay? It's going to be a lot more difficult when you're trying to address or hold that coworker accountable or be the boss that's trying to hold one of his employees um, accountable. Obviously, yes, they're in charge per se, but you don't want to always just kind of put down your iron fist. You know, you want to have a healthy relationship and you want a healthy outcome. The relationship helps that, right? Because there's that rapport that like, Hey, I care about you more than just this moment. I care about you as a person. And, and that's going to allow a little bit more grace to penetrate the conversation when there's a relationship behind it. Yeah. And you know, something that we've done to really set that up well, we call it a, a social covenant, Adam. We've done it with our family. I do it with every one of my clients and the teams I work with. But I take the team and we have them sit down and I have them go through an exercise and answer two questions. And this is really on the relationship and trust building side. But you know what, when we're together, how do we want to treat each other? And I have them talk about what all those aspects, characteristics look like. We also talk about and define what gossip is because I want to make sure that gets included. It almost always does. But then the second question I have them tackle is, assuming that we all agree how we're going to treat each other, what is a process that we would follow to handle if somebody fails to follow the behavior that we just agreed on? Because now, you know, all of a sudden, if you're, you're, 
your teammate didn't live up to an obligation or he did something you didn't like, you can you have something, a foundational piece to refer back to and initiate that whole conversation. So um, I, I love that you're doing that and teaching these kind of things to this age group. And I, I'm just curious, you know, as you work with middle schoolers versus high schoolers, is there a group that's more receptive? And the reason I ask you that, because as people get older, and I work with a lot of people in the corporate environment, especially my age, these Gen Xers, a lot of people are not really willing to put in the work to be intentional, to develop some of the new habits that you and I both know would be incredibly rewarding and productive in their lives. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And uh, before I get into that, I, I love your social covenant. Uh, great job with that, John. I, I love the proactive nature of it, you know, trying to get out in front of potential issues. I love that and also love the fact that you included gossip in there, uh, especially in the corporate space, man. I would love to see a case study over how much time is wasted on a weekly basis with work gossip. Oh, man, I would love to see a study on that. Actually, we've, we've actually measured that. Um, it's about oh, seven to ten hours per week, per person in a culture that has gossip. And so here's how we define gossip. Saying negative, something negative about somebody else who's not part of the problem or the solution. And when we've defined okay, that, so let's same. say I come up and to complain about you, about my wife, Donna. And you're like, well, hold, hold on here. Um, uh, am I part of the problem or the solution here? Well, neither. I just wanted to vent. Well, hold on. Before we do that, do you, if you don't need my help, you know, why don't you go have this conversation with Don in the next 24 hours? And if it if it's not resolved, then come back and I'd be happy to help you with it. But when you have people holding others accountable to not gossip and they have a way to deal with it, you can reduce gossip in a culture literally within a week or two. If people are if this is being modeled by especially folks that are, you know, others are looking up to somebody in a leadership role. That's powerful. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. Um, good. Thank you for sharing. So, all right, well, going back to your question, um, about the dynamics of middle school versus high school and, and the receptive nature to this program. I think it's interesting. Uh, this past summer, uh, we did a, I was working with a local lacrosse group here in the area. Uh, it's a company called Lax Factory. They have 12 teams and their teams consist of boys and girls ranging from, uh, the youngest team, I think were fourth and fifth graders and their oldest team were, 11th and 12th graders. And, and then they had teams all in between and they signed up for the lead them up program. So they were going to implement it kind of um, program wide with all the teams, but I was local. So I offered to help kind of kickstart it for them. Um, so I came out and really, I mean, it's interesting. Their company's called Lax Factory. I actually felt like it was a factory those first couple of weeks because I, I'd go Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I'd work with four teams on Tuesday, four teams on Wednesday, four teams on Thursday. And it literally felt like a factory. I'd go 30 minutes with one, they'd leave, the next team come in, 30 minutes with them, boom, as you can just continue down the path there. Now, what was interesting was this, John. Um, each week I do the exact, exact same lesson, same game, same exercise, same situational training, same everything, okay? And I would do it 12 times over. And I'm sure you know as a speaker that sometimes when you get asked to do repeated talks, I mean, you sometimes are using the exact same jokes, exact same verbiage, exact same language, you name it, okay? Yep. I was doing the same. So this was a perfect case study from a psychologist's perspective, doing the same thing with 
kids from grades four all the way through 12 with boys and girls. And what I began to find is oftentimes I need volunteers. And when I would ask for volunteers, and this was new for the teams, okay? So um, I typically see an increase on everyone wanting to volunteer later as you go through the program because they're more comfortable. But the first week, it's really interesting. But I say, hey, I need, a, I need five volunteers. With the grades four, five, and six, oh, man, John, every single hand right up in the air. Everybody's jumping up. As the, everyone's jumping up. Oh, me, 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 me. I went in, I went in, I went in. As I slowly made my way up the grades, the hands began to dwindle. And it really made me think, and I actually talked to the directors of the program after and shared this kind of, uh, uh, shared what I had seen there. Two things that happened. I kind of touched on it earlier. I really believe as you get older, you do, uh, you do become more sensitive and aware about putting yourself out there, that exposing, that you're not in a safe place. And if I go out there and I put myself uh, in front of everyone, I'm now vulnerable I'm opening the door to being made fun of, to having jokes put in my direction. Um, and I'm not willing to do that because a lot of young people have already recognized that this world can be a, a nasty place. And at eight in grades four, five, and six, I don't think they've experienced that nastiness. But something happens in the middle school age where they begin to experience it. And that nastiness and that lack of safety all right, to be yourself and, and to be accepted begins to penetrate where all of a sudden they've now become a lot more reserved. And I think the other aspect is, I think when you get a little bit older, right, um, this ego starts playing a factor, right? These fourth and fifth, sixth graders, they, uh, they, they, don't, they recognize they don't know everything, right? They, they're open to learning. They're open to new ideas. But then as you get a little bit older, all of a sudden our growth gets prohibited and get stagnated because simply we begin to think we know it all or that we've already got it figured out. So that learning mindset that we once had, we now have put our own cap on it by simply our mindset of thinking, I got this figured out. And you see that in the high school space. Now, thankfully, usually after first week or two of the program, they begin to kind of see it in action. They begin to believe it and, and they begin to feel a little bit safer, but it's really interesting um, how, how the dynamic changes between. I mean, we're just talking a couple of years, John. Sixth you know, grade, you know, uh, it's uh, grade. it's an interesting dynamic because I really think that 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 social anxiety, and it's definitely heightened when we're with our peers. Uh, you're right, as we mature, right? And I, I really think it comes from two places, and the first one is the fear of failure. Right. That's I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to say something that somebody's going to you know throw up on Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat. But the also the other one is the motivation to succeed. There's I want to do well. And there's and there's there's these two areas that create that conflict internally with us. And a lot of the times what we'll do is with teams that we work with, we'll actually intensely introduce social anxiety so we can teach teams how to. Um, overcome that, especially kind of in the, in the corporate environment. And it's really Ooh. interesting as you say, you know, as you say that, right. Is that, you know, what is, you know, kind of driving this as they get older, right. It, it, I think probably high school kids, my biggest guess is right. They don't want to look stupid. So they don't want to raise their hand or be the exactly. guy who's, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sucking up to everybody or I, you know, I want to get called on. So, um, but you know, a lot of that, the other things that you're laying those foundational pieces though, about relationship and trust and communication, 
um, you know, understanding some of the dynamics that go into changing our behavior, the process, being intentional, uh, what you're doing, Adam, is just laying a foundation for people to really handle some of those stressors uh, big time, you know, as they, as they move forward. Right? I'd love to have a whole conversation with you and, if we had more time just about different kinds of, you know, stress, good stress and bad stress and how different things can really completely alter a dynamic of a team. Right? We saw it on display when the Patriots uh, at the Super Bowl this year, right? Uh, between good stress yep. and bad oh, stress through the process. But, hey, as we just wrap up, you I know, people you. listening, this is all. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. I was just going to say one one thing, you know, at least in the, the dynamic of the high schoolers, I, th- I think there's one other pressing issue and it kind of connects a lot of that, but there's this overwhelming desire for young people to be cool yeah, and no to doubt. be popular and, and it drives everything. I remember listening to an interview with Rick Warren and he said something that just really stuck with me. He said, the drug of choice amongst young people today is popularity. They crave it, they're addicted to it, and it drives everything they do from how they walk to how they talk to what they wear to everything they listen to, you name it. It's all driven by this popularity. And I oftentimes think, and I, I say this to the players I work with, that you know, I feel that we have a greater desire to be cool than be great. But we fail to recognize that it's when we're great that's when we become cool, right? Nobody wears the sneakers of the guy that never made it out of the neighborhood. No, we wear the sneakers of the guy who is great. So we, we've put an onus on coolness and being cool rather than being great and if we can make uncool cool right if we can can kind of take something that a lot of people naturally would think oh i don't know about that but then all of a sudden create this cool vibe around that then all of a sudden people wanted to they want to be a part of it right then all of a sudden it's like hey yes that wasn't cool but i i i'm a leader here i'm able to make that cool and now everyone's following me and uh and that's a huge dynamic with the young people today it's just this Rick Warren nailed it. You know, they're, they're addicted to this need to be popular. And you, you've got to recognize that if you're a parent working with your kids and, and working with other kids or, or if you're a coach in this, this age group. I think that that is a great point. So, hey, people listening in, how do they get in touch with you? Um, you know, uh, what's the best way to connect to your programs, to the work you're doing, the speaking, the workshops, uh, Adam? Yeah, you know, you can check out the sites. You can either go to leademup.com. Uh, that's one. So just like coach them up, but instead of coach them up, lead them up. Uh, you can also check out our podcast. Um, after you download your episodes, John, if they want an additional resource, obviously, they can go to the Hardwood Hustle. Uh, just check out hardwoodhustle.com or check it out on iTunes. And then um, if you're interested in just kind of following along with, with me and, and doing life with me through social media, you can check out at abradley5. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. Um, certainly the most active on Twitter than all the other platforms. And uh, listen, I, I love love to connect with people. So, um, you know, feel free to reach out. Well, thanks, man. And I uh, I look forward to following up. And there's honestly anything I can do for you, Adam, what you're doing, your mission, uh, uh, any way I can, you know, be useful to what you're doing, please don't hesitate to reach back out. Love to do that. And I really just encourage people to really connect into what you're doing because this there's this massive opportunity we have right now, um, especially my, well, not just especially, but my generation, Gen Xers, baby boomers on equipping this next generation, man. Like you said before, key takeaway, I circled it, man. They are, they're hungry for this kind of mentorship. They're hungry to develop these kind of skills. And I think a lot of them are actually very aware that they need these skills and that they're looking for 
places and you create that environment, that culture where they're, where you're sewing into them, you know, these life skills, leadership skills, in addition to athletics and sports and, um, faith and, uh, academics, uh, man, you're gonna, you're gonna change lives. And, you know, I, I think one and person, and I'll say this, John. Yeah. So uh, just real quick, I was just gonna say, and the tougher the environment, the more they want it. Yes. I've seen that firsthand. The tougher the environment, the the neighborhood, the community, the more they long for it. So, well, you know, I work with a, a group here in Denver called Colorado Uplift, and we work uh, with some of the most disadvantaged populations in the Denver public school systems. We have three schools here that are um, deemed dropout factories, so the graduation rate is less than fifty percent. And the difference between somebody succeeding out of that environment or not comes down to one thing, and that is one healthy adult relationship. If they have one healthy adult relationship, Adam, their chances of success are just off the charts. And so that is the opportunity we have, regardless of you know where somebody's living or what their zip code is, but to be able to be that person in somebody else's life. And so thank you for equipping the coaches, the teams, the staff, the people that you're working with to be able to be those people in 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 the lives of these of these kids man i just applaud you and appreciate the work you're doing well thank you so much and, and john i appreciate you and and you uh allow me to come on the show and, and be a part of this and keep up the great work yourself Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. In 1994, Bob Buford penned the book Halftime, moving from success to significance. And in the more than 20 years since then, more than three quarters of a million copies have been sold. It's touched baby boomers in the 90s, and it's now touching the lives of both Gen Xers who are in that midlife season asking, is this all there is? As well as baby boomers who are searching for significance in retirement. To get a free copy of the book, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. And after you read it, if you have any questions, you can have a no obligation one hour of halftime coaching. Eternalleadership.com slash halftime. You can't beat getting a free bestseller. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>